It is great to be able to be here today and eat with each of you through all of our campuses. We have, right now, we have uh, people that are watching online uh, around the world with possibilities of the internet, right? But there are people that are watching online. We have our campus in, in uh, um, Creston that is watching uh, the video. Um, and we're just excited that what God is doing uh, in our midst. And you know, one thing that is so awesome about God is that even though we can't see everything that we need to do, God has given us a plan from the beginning to the end. His purpose for you is real, and it is genuine. His love is compassionate, and I'm reminded, especially in today's climate, that God is faithful. And I love what it says in Psalm 16:8. It says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Isn't that an awesome thing to know that we do not have to be shaken as the Lord is with us? He is with me. And I want you to be able to have the freedom to be able to take your phone and to tweet that, to post that, to write it down in your notes, but to know that He is with me. Can you say that with me? He is with me. That is something that we can proclaim and be, and be hopeful about, that He is with me. And when we go through hard times, we have to be reminded that He is with me. When we recognize that God is faithful, He is with me, I will not be shaken. And so as we be prepared to get into the Word today, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that, that we are here. And that it's not by accident, God, that we are here. And Lord, we pray that today that we would understand that there is a word that's specifically designed for us to hear. And Lord, I pray that today that your word would do in somebody's heart and somebody's life that will not return void. That God, I pray that you would give me strength and that this message will speak to somebody's heart and somebody's life. Challenge them, God. Open our eyes to the deeper things of the word and help us to be contagious in our walk. In Jesus' name, amen. In this series that we've had this past month, we've heard that what it will take to put us in a position to see Jesus. But my prayer today is also that we have heard, that our, that we have heard in our spirit what God desires for us to do in our next steps. Week one, Jeremy and Melissa talked about the heart of worship. And how awesome it was to be able to, be, uh, to understand what it meant to worship. Worship was more than just sitting in a chair, more than just listening to somebody else sing. But worship was actually entering in to be a participant of the game, to actually understand that it takes effort to get into there and how awesome that was. Week two, Chelsea gave us insight on experiencing rest. How many of us want to experience rest today? Amen? Yeah, it's a crazy, it's a crazy time. But to understand that we can't be able to go further than where our rest is at, that we need to be able to be restful. And Chelsea talked about that on week two. Last week, John invited us to bring love into the equation, to love our neighbor, to have loving compassion, to be in that, to be in that attitude of love. And so today I've entitled the message, Contagious, Do I Have to Stay in My Bubble? How many of us know Man, do I have to stay in my bubble, right? I mean, that's there, right? But I also know that there are moments where I enjoy the bubble. <laughs> I enjoy being able to go and watch a little TV and not being disrupted. 
I enjoy being able to be in my own little thing. And maybe for you, it's working on a car. Maybe for you, it's, it's, it's outside activities. Maybe for you, it's hunting. But being in that bubble, sometimes it is relaxing. And sometimes it is safe. As parents, we put our kids in a bubble. We, we nurture them when they're little. We, we challenge them as they get older, but we, we continually want that bubble of Jesus to put that hedge of protection around them to, to help them when making the wise decisions so that as they get older, they will do that. As athletes and sports fans, we, we desire to, to continue to put forth, and sometimes we're on that bubble you have a, you have a, a, if you're an athlete, you know that, man, if I can just win the next game, we can make the playoffs, and, and you're, you're on that bubble. If you're, a, if you're a sports fan, you know I have my team. Man, they're on the bubble. Denver Broncos are on the bubble. After this week, the bubble may be over. My fantasy team, they're on the bubble. But we, but we, we understand what that is. Items that are that are are you know we think about in the bubbles like risk taking. Risk taking can be contagious, right? I mean, if you go up and you if if someone cliff dives, you know, and you're like you're you're you you're terrified of heights, and your friend cliff dives, you're like, oh, now I got a cliff dive, right? If somebody is going to go up and take and do one of those zip line rides or whatever, you're like, nope, I'm not doing it. And then your kids do it, then you're like, okay, now I got to do it, right? There's you know, how many of us, when we yawn, that's somebody else's yawns, right? We're, we're contagious. The applause, when somebody, when somebody applauses. Some of you, when uh, we applause and we said, praise the Lord, after we, uh, right before communion, some of you are like, oh, everybody's clapping. Okay. <laughs> right? It's, it's contagious. But every day, we hear of how the coronavirus has become increasingly a contagious across the country and around the world, and what bubble that we should be in. It has become a pandemic and one of the foremost on our minds. We have seen malaria, we have seen AIDS, we have seen H1N1, and we've even seen the seasonal flu take its sights on infecting a contagious spread around the world. And each of these viruses have reached pandemic levels because of a highly contagious disease. But not only does the disease spread, but something else spreads along right with it. Fear, panic, uncertainty. How many of us have had the fear of the envelope? Right? The fear that you get an envelope in the mail and it's from the bank and you're like, oh, did I put the money in the bank? Or the fear of the, the envelope when the tax season comes and you're like, oh, am I getting money back from my tax guy, you know? We, we, have that, we have that fear. And I have seen a lot of stats on this current pandemic of COVID-19, I'm sure, just like you have, of how people the world over have been gripped by the fear of the unknown, the what-ifs, will I or someone in my family con contract the sickness? Will I be laid off of work? Will I lose my house? Will my kids be able to be in school? Will my kids be able to play a sport? But what I can tell you this morning, that even though there's, that fear is as contagious as the virus itself, God is faithful and God has a plan. 
Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. If you were a pitcher, you would understand that God, God, God can hit on either side of the plate. But God's pretty dominant on the right side. Jesus sits on the right side. We just read a scripture verse on the right side. God's awesome in what he says. But what if the church, what if the church was contagious in another way? What if we had something that began to spread from across the town where you live to across the nation we call home? What if people wanted what we have? Can we, the church, become contagious in this way? Can we become the lighthouse to the needs of our community? Can we handle ourselves in a way that shows the love of Jesus? Can we ask ourselves this question? Is my journey with Christ contagious? If you have your Bible or you have an app on your phone, I encourage you to open up to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. One of the things I think is so important is that we understand the, the, the necessity of having the Word. And we'll have it up on the screen as well. But it says in verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Confidence. It says, therefore. That's, that's referring to earlier. Therefore, brothers and sisters. And the first point here is that we cannot hesitate to enter with confidence. You ever been in a situation sometimes where you've had to do something, but you've hesitated? You've hesitated to, to accomplish the task because there was anxiety or there was a, it was complex. And we see here that, that Paul is telling the Jews that Jesus provided access, that Jesus provided the entrance by dying on the cross. And the act of generosity gave us access to boldly go in. And meet God person to person, face to face. And this was a radical concept for the Jew because remember the Jews understood that the, the place of the Holy of Holies was, was, was only designed for one. And that was the, the high priest. And he would go in once a year. And if he wasn't living right before the Lord, and you probably know the story, what would happen? Thunder, lightning, you know, death in that place, and they'd pull him out because they'd tie a rope on his leg. And so the Jews were a little bit hesitant when they said, when Paul was telling them to go, go in boldly, enter with confidence. And we can begin to understand that as he was describing that, is that we need to know that without the blood, that there is no forgiveness. That God laid the justice on us. God allowed Jesus to pay the sins for us. That his shed blood satisfied the just penalty that God imposed on our sin. And then in verse 20 it says, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. His sacrifice was fresh. And maybe one of you here, maybe there's some of you here today who will come to know Jesus Christ and that sacrifice of Jesus will be fresh. To know what Jesus has done for you. 
I love what it says in John 14, 6. It says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's a new way that Paul is describing here. There's a new way to follow after God. You don't have to go by the Old Testament covenant anymore. There's a new way. But not only is it a new way, it is a living way. That we're not, we're not, we're not here worshiping a God that, that is uh, unworthiness. We're not worshiping a God that, that is, that, you know, it doesn't mean anything. We're worshiping a God that is alive, a God that is real, a God that is active. It's a living way. In 21, it says, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, a great priest, which is talking about Jesus. In Revelation chapter 3, it says, I sit on the throne with Jesus who sits on the Father's throne. What a beautiful thought it is when we think about Jesus not only pointed out the access to God, but he draws us to, he grabs our arm, he takes us to where that place is, and he ushers us into the presence. And so as we think about these three verses, I want us to, to look at the next point here. It says, your most powerful illustration, your most powerful illustration of salvation is when, you, is when your own personal experience with Jesus Christ has genuinely entered into forgiveness. That you have generally received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in your life. And because you have received that, that, that gift that Jesus has given us, you begin to receive the promises of God. A true leader has the confidence to stand alone, the courage to make tough decisions, and the compassion to listen to the needs of others. General Douglas MacArthur, I think he probably knew what it meant to be a leader on the field of battle. And this particular quote, I think, has a reflection to where we are. As a leader, as someone that wants to be able to to stand strong in the Lord, the one who wants to be able to be an example, is that we need sometimes we have to have the confidence to stand alone and not go with the crowd. Just because everybody else is doing it, sometimes we have to say no. This, this word that I'm trying to live by is telling me that I, how I need to live. The other part is the courage to make tough decisions. How many of us have had to make tough decisions? If you're a parent, <laughs> Everybody should raise in their hand. Tough decisions. And the compassion to listen to the needs of others. We all have the need, but are we willing to listen to the others? We look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. It says, let's draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty consciousness and having our bodies washed with pure water. And so point number two is being contagious in your faith sets up opportunities that can change your trajectory of where you go. So by, by allowing your faith to be contagious, by, by uh, being in that environment where your faith is contagious, by, by setting the example, by allowing God to begin to work in you and, and taking those appropriate steps and it begins to change your trajectory. When you accepted the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, 
that you may have life if you accept him as your personal savior. The Bible says that the, that the curtain was torn from the top to the bottom. That it allowed you to have complete access to God. And being contagious to your, in your faith is allowing you to have that new trajectory. That when you accepted Jesus, it no longer just becomes just plateau. It does, no longer just becomes standard. There's now something greater. God wants you to continue to look forward. He wants you to continue to look up and say, God, where is my next step? God, how continue to, to mold me and shape me. And we live by so much faith. Many of you live by faith this morning when you got up out of bed and you went into the kitchen or into the bathroom and you took a cup and you turned on the faucet and you put it under there and you filled it up with water. You know where that water came from? How old, are your how old are your pipes in your house? Did the city treat the water correctly last week? Did they get it mixed up with which one was going where? Oh, thought for another day. But you took a step of faith when you began to drink it, right? We live by faith. There's a story of Charles Bloden, 1859, when he, crossed the, when he went across Niagara Falls about 160 feet from side to side and he he would go back and forth and remember this is 1859 this isn't 2020 I'm sure the rope was probably a little bit different than it was back then right or what it is today but they stretched it across there and he's going back and forth and he's walking on it going backwards on it forwards on it he's putting a wheelbarrow on it in 1859 he gets back to the other side and he says hey who wants to go back with me? Well, before I, before I say that, I should say that everybody was applauding him. Everybody was cheering him. Everybody had faith that he was able to do it. They were excited. But when he asked them, hey, do you want to go with me? Everybody said, no. Are you crazy? I'm not going to cross there. See, everybody was excited until they were called to do something. Faith and drawing near to God are inseparable. James 4.8 says, come near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will come near to you. That's an action step. You see, when you're clapping, you say, yeah, Charles, go, Charles, woo-hoo. Okay, I, I, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to stop clapping, right? Drawing. And faith are inseparable. And so we look at this, and the next, next note is, when you move the marker, it eliminates the excuse of why someone else can't do it. When you move the marker, what is that marker? That marker is, is a gauge for you to know where and how far you can go. If that marker is, is lifting weights and you lift 200 pounds, or you lift 100 pounds, and you move that marker, now you lift more than that, the person that's next to you lifting with you now says, oh, I can't use that as an excuse anymore, that I can't lift that because now you just did it. You moved the marker. If your marker was losing five pounds, and you go into Casey's, and you got a Mountain Dew in your hand, and the guy that, you're, that you know is trying to lose weight too, and he's lost 10, and he's drinking a bottle of water, he moved the marker. And you're holding the Mountain Dew. You see, when we move the marker, 
It eliminates the excuse of what someone else says they can't do. Moving the marker in your life as a Christian allows you to help other people eliminate the excuse that they can't walk with God in a certain way. But when you're living in the world and you're doing the things of the world and the Bible never comes into the equation or you're living that life of half in, half out, and the Bible calls that lukewarm, then you're not moving the marker. You're being conformed to the world. And God says he wants us to move the marker in our faith. He wants our faith to be contagious. He wants us to be able to see that there's a transformation that's taking place, that God has taken a hold of us and he is growing with us. And there is something that's passionate about knowing that when you turn your life over to Jesus, it's no longer the same. It becomes alive and it becomes real. And it becomes, it, it becomes something that's not just impossible, but it becomes possible in Jesus. So my question to you today is, what marker have you moved? What marker have you moved in your life? You see, we have to be okay to be uncomfortable in sharing our faith. We have to be okay to be uncomfortable in taking that next step in our walk with God. And the great thing about that is, is that each one of us, God has created uniquely and awesome. Before you were ever born, God knew who you were going to be. He knew what sex you were going to be. He knew what color hair you were going to have. He knew when you were going to lose your hair. He knew all kinds of things about you before you were ever born. And I think that's pretty, pretty awesome. But, it's, but we have to realize that we have to be okay <laughs> to be uncomfortable in sharing our faith in taking that next step with Jesus because it's not always easy. But God says that he is going to allow us to be tested, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, but he's going to allow us to be tested in order for us to endure. The enemy is going to allow you to be tempted or the enemy is going to try to tempt you to get you to fail. But everything God does is, gonna, is, is intended to have you rise up. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold. How many of you have ever, have ever taken something and you've taken someone's hand and you've shaken a hand and you get done shaking their hand and they're like, oh, that was a firm handshake. Thank you for letting go. Right? You ever, anybody had those? moments or maybe you've been in that process where you know you slipped off of a ladder and you like grabbed on for dear life right or you've had those experiences where you've done something where you knew that if you let go of the you know when you're water skiing and you're you're riding the boat and the boat's going you know it seems like 190 miles an hour and if you let go you're going to face plant and you're not going to have a face left and so you're like you're just holding on tight it's like I can't go I can't let go right Point number three is hold tight to the confession of your hope. Hold tight. Holding tight, holding fast is implying that there is some danger <laughs> or difficulty that is trying to pry you loose from the confession of your hope. There is, there is, when we talk about holding fast, there is something 
that is there. There is something that is trying to get underneath of your skin. There is something that is trying to get you to, to take a step to the left rather than the step closer to God. There is something there that is keeping you or trying to keep you from drawing closer to God. And Paul is saying, hold on, hold on. Contagious believers entrust Jesus with their tomorrow. Contagious believers entrust Jesus with their tomorrow, not themselves. See, some of the Jews that Paul was talking to were starting to get a little bit shaky. Their foundation was starting to get a little bit shaky. Their thoughts were starting to get a little bit confused. And they were starting to go back to Judaism to do things on their own. And Paul says, come on, hold on. You've come this far. Don't quit now. And if you've ever done anything in athletics, you've, you've heard that. You've, you've, it's resonated in your, in, your, in your mind. Don't quit now. You've gone so far. Keep pressing on to the finish line. Keep looking to the prize. Don't go back to the way you were. Don't go back and gain 50 pounds again. Keep moving forward. Don't stop. I want to tell you today to hold on. And even though it won't be easy, we have a sign out there in the foyer. I love when, when we have our Connect team that holds our signs. But it says, it says, God's best is yet to come. God's best is yet to come. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter where you're at currently right now. What bubble that you're living in. What situation that you've had to encounter. The best is yet to come. That's the promise from God. That is something that should excite us to make us want to go out and tell somebody that Jesus loves them. And as we boldly go and continue to draw him, continue to draw near to him. And this one here is not in your notes, but I want to say it because it says that you can't see your tomorrow. You cannot see your purpose until you fix your yesterdays. You can't begin to see your purpose. You can't begin to see your tomorrow until you fix your yesterdays. There are some of you that are dealing with past pain, past hurt, past struggles, past frustrations that you're dealing with, and you continue to deal with them, and until you allow God to begin to work in your situation, until you turn that leaf over to God, until you begin to trust in God through that situation, you're not going to be able to see the purpose that God has designed for you to be. And it doesn't matter what age you are, whether you're 12 or whether you're 94, when you have issues from your past that's holding you back and you're not allowing God to take care of them, you're not going to see the purpose that God has designed for you. And what does the purpose that's designed for you bring? Happiness, fulfillment, joy, love, strength. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden when you turn that over to Jesus, you say, Jesus, take this problem from me. God is going to allow you to go through that testing time. Do you see? Because sometimes many of us, we have taken that testing time, we've taken that struggle, we've taken our past, and we've said, you know what, God? I'm going to put it over here on the shoulder somewhere, and then I'm going to get back to it later. Well, what happens is, is that struggle is still there. 
And God says you need to endure through that test, through that struggle, through that process. And as you test and as you go through it, you're going to come to the other side and Jesus is going to be there. Jesus is with you through it. Jesus was there before and now Jesus is going to be here after. But when you put it off to the side, you put your yesterdays over here and you don't deal with them, they're still there. And God wants you to know that he's there. James 1, 2, it says, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters. Again, he's talking about a family. Consider it all joy, my family, my brothers and sisters, that when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Allow me to help you through your yesterdays so that you can begin to see your tomorrow, so you can begin to see your purpose. And it takes a step of faith, and it takes trust. But God is going to be with you in every step of the way. In verse 24, it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. <laughs> so point number four is this. Your relationship with Christ becomes a light in someone else's struggle. Your growth, your relationship in Christ becomes a light in somebody else's struggle. When your yesterdays were over here and as you begin to move the marker in your life and say, God, I no longer want to be here. God, I want to be over there. And you move that marker and you allow the yesterday to be given to God. And because God begins to transform you and as you begin to move the marker, all of a sudden that light that God's working in your life shines a light in someone else's struggle. Because they see you as a faithful believer. They see that your walk with God is transforming you into, into something that's greater than what they have. And they're saying, God, show me what I need to have. When your relationship with Christ becomes a light in someone else's struggle, your faith begins to grow. But at the same time, we need to be able to take our eyes off of ourselves and begin to think of others. Taking our eyes off of others or taking our eyes off of ourselves and begin to think of others. And that's going to take deliberate focus. And it's going to take deliberate effort for that to take place. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 and 14 says, But encouraging one another. How often is that? Is that cool? Be encouraged. Encouraging one another. Isn't that, that's a nice thing to know, right? To be able to encourage one another. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Why do we want to be able to be a part of a life group? Why do we want to be able to be associated with a group of people that love the Lord, that are continually pushing forward, continually trying to identify their walk with God, continually trying to fix their yesterdays so that they can see their tomorrow? Why do we push life groups? Why do we want you part of a life group right here? So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Because that life group will help you keep accountable. It will help you bring joy. It will help you bring life. It will help you to be able to, to, to pray for each other. And when sin begins to be a part of that, that group can come in and say, You know, Joe, I, you might want to rethink what you're doing. 
But even in that life group, sometimes we become afraid and we become fearful because if we say something to draw attention to, we might be called out on it. And so sometimes we don't do it. But we have to come to be able to know, in verse 14 it says, we have come to share Christ, to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. If we hold to the, the, our firm conviction of our blessed hope of what Jesus has done, that the veil was torn from top to bottom and we can have that access into him. And you know, we know, you know, I know, that when we're in a fight, we will fight. The enemy on the other side of it wants us to sleep. The enemy doesn't want us to be able to, to be aware that there's a fight. We've had so many things going on in 2020. You've seen the posts, you've seen the tweets, you've seen the Instagrams, you've seen all the different situations that are, on, that are out there. 2020, the bubble, COVID, the election, all different things of what's going on and how we should respond and how we should do this and how we should do that. The enemy wants us to be sleeping. The enemy doesn't want us to have call to action. The enemy wants everything to be ingrained and get the foothold in our society so that there is no difference. But I believe God is calling us as a church to say, hey, we, we, we got to make sure that we're staying faithful to the word. And being saved, I'm not saying not being saved, I'm not saying any of that, I'm saying that we just have to make sure that we're moving forward in the Lord. It takes more energy in the first steps than it does once you get going. When we think about the space shuttle, they just shot off, not NASA just sent off a rocket up into wherever. It takes more fuel in the first three feet of that flight than it does the rest of it. The first three feet of that flight, when it begins to take off, uses more fuel, more energy than it does the rest of the flight. And you think about that in your life with God, there are moments that it's going to take some energy to take that next step. There's going to be some energy and some, some, some effort that's going to take to take your yesterdays and begin to see your tomorrow. It's going to take work. It's going to take energy. It's going to take sweat. It's going to be maybe some time on your knees. It's going to be maybe some time with some, some accountability people around you to, to be in prayer with you and to help you through that. But in the end, the energy that you spend here is going to be a reward because now it's going to be a little bit easier down the path because now God has begun to show you where you need to go. Isn't that awesome that God is in the midst of that? So in number five, it says, and as we, <laughs> as we uh, look at all of these things and we put these things together, I want to ask you this question. Is your spark, is your spark ignited in you? You see, I've given each one of you a, a stick. Given each one of you a stick, but on top of the stick, there's no burner. There's no flash. There's no potential. There's no way that this stick can become this stick. It cannot be combustible. Now, I know some of you are great, great Boy Scout warriors. You can get out there and you can start doing with the rocks and stuff, and you can probably make this stick start on fire some way, somehow. But the stick that you have cannot cause a spark. 
It is not combustible. It's a choice and a scary one at that to burn from within, to feel, to dance, to laugh, to cry, to ache, to love. It can seem as if you have no ability to create a spark and no confidence to move out of an area that has controlled you. It can seem that your trajectory and your faith has been going to the opposite direction. And the hope that you have isn't in Jesus the way that it needs to be. Are you contagious? Is your relationship with Jesus shining the light into someone else's life? No matter where you find yourself today, Jesus has a word specifically for you.